see. Brona, do you want to come on up? So Brona, as I said, is going to share with us this morning. So <coughs> I am just going to pray with her before she does that. I'll remove my stuff in a minute. <laughs> yes, Jesus, we um, just thank you for, thank you for Brona, Lord. Thank you for her heart to communicate your truth and the joy that she has in doing so. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak powerfully and beautifully the way you always do through her. In Jesus' name, amen. Every time I stand here, there just seems to be more people getting into the depths of the back of the church. So uh, you're so welcome if you're, you're new here today. But I just want to quickly remind everybody of where we've been and then bring you hopefully where we're going to this morning. But we've been spending a month or so on our Cultivate series. And, um, and we've been unpacking the, the parable of the sower. Okay, and so far we have established that there were four different types of soil and that Jesus is the sower, and he's trying to sow into this soil. And we were taught at the beginning, and I thought it was so beautiful, that Jesus sows indiscriminately. He doesn't look at one soil type and judge it as not worthy to receive the seed. His heart is that every soil type receives the seeds. And we understand that the seed that he is sowing is his words, or the promises that he has spoken over humanity right from the very beginning of time. And, and because it's Jesus' seed, we know that the seed is always good. It's always good. Within it, there is always life-given hope. And as we said, there's four different types of soil. So there's the path or the road that Chris taught us about last week. There's the rocky soil that we're going to get into this morning. And then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into the rocky, or sorry, the thorny soil and then the good soil. But last week, Chris taught us so beautifully about the path about how it was compacted soil um, that had been well-worn over the years and how Jesus had sown the seeds on the path, but it couldn't penetrate the soil. And then what happened was the birds of the air swooped in and they, they took it away because there was nowhere for the seed to take root. And my big takeaway from last week was that being teachable, no matter what stage of the journey you're on, being teachable is the most important attribute in our journey of following Jesus. No matter how much we think we know, no matter how much we think we've got our theology sorted out, no matter what has been done to us, we have to remain teachable. We have to continue to have soft hearts if Jesus' seed is going to continue to get in there. And so that brings us to our rocky soil. Now, I have decided this morning um, to look at this passage in the message version because I think it just brings a nice level of freshness to it. I'm not going to read the whole passage. We're just going to pick out key verses. But we're going to jump right into how Jesus begins the parable. He says, what do you make of this? Straight away, I'm already with Jesus when he says, what do you make of this? I'm right there. He says, a farmer planted a seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. This is our part this morning. Some of it fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. And so when the sun came up, it just withered away quickly. Some fell on the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. And some fell on good earth, and it produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. And then if we jump down to in and around verse 15 in the message, Jesus goes on to say this when he's explaining it to the disciples. He says, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. Isn't that beautiful? But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity, it soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create 
readiness to nudge the people towards a welcome awakening. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see. And you have God-blessed ears, ears that hear. And so then when he's unpacking this particular soil with the disciples, he says, the seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there was no soil character. And so when emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. Jesus had this really amazing art of using parables to communicate. So I am struggling with this this morning. It's not moving for me at all. There we go. I wasn't going to get very far with you this morning if I couldn't see my notes. <laughs> I don't trust what would come out of my mouth <laughs> if I don't rely on them. So he had this art of using parables to communicate. What Jesus was doing when he told a parable was he was encouraging us to place ourselves in the story. So when he tells this parable, I think that Jesus is encouraging us to identify with the different soil types that are there, to become part of the story and to look out again from that viewpoint because he wants to create readiness, the message tells us, and he wants to nudge us towards a welcome awakening. And the people in the audience at this time, they would have known that seed was a commodity. If you had seeds, you had the potential to get a return. You had a potential to earn. And I think Jesus is showing us the beautiful extravagance of the heart of the Father, because he doesn't judge the soil, as I've said already, to not be worthy to receive the seeds. He just keeps sowing it. He keeps sowing it everywhere. He doesn't say, oh, I'm not really going to get any growth back on that part. So I'm not going to sow it there. He just keeps sowing. And I think it's really important that we frame all of this with that in mind this morning. So to look at our verse 20, particularly this morning, I want to look at it in the amplified version just to give us a slightly different tilt on it. It said, the one on whom seed was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and at once, at once welcomes it with joy. But yet he has no substantial root in himself, but is only temporary. And when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, remember that phrase, because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls away, abandoning the one who is the source of his salvation. So the rocky soil, if we could jump onto that photo, the rocky soil that Jesus is talking about this morning, it was shallow Right? It was soil that was likely deposited by the wind over rocks over a sustained period of time. And when the seed of God's word was sown, initially it was brilliant. Right, The soil received it at once. He tells us it's able to penetrate the soil. So the soil's soft. It was able to get in there. And roots were initially able to grow really very quickly. And it appeared that there was a life above the soil. All signs outwardly were pointing to decent enough soil that produced life. But the trouble was because of the climate, the conditions for optimal growth, for sustained growth, well, they couldn't always be there. The harsh climate would prove to be too much for the seedling. The young plants weren't able to establish deep roots that were going to find nourishment and that were going to find the water of the spirit that would sustain them from within when the conditions on the outside became too rough. And I think the issue with the rocky soil is that it quickly, it gives the appearance of being healthy and life-giving. And one of the points that I think Jesus is trying to make here is that we can find the same expression of spiritual life and people who initially receive the seeds with excitement. 
But then when things around him start to get challenging, which is represented by the son in the parable, it becomes clear that the soil in their hearts was shallow. Now, I do feel it's really important that, um, that you know from the very beginning that, that this is not Jesus judging anybody, all right? And hopefully you'll see where we're going with this and you'll see why. But he's, he is saying that the soil here is shallow. The soil around the rock, it's soft enough to receive the seed. There's no denying that. But the problem is it just wasn't deep enough to sustain the seed. And that's because the rock's got in the way. The rock's got in the way. And what I think Jesus is getting at here is that the shallow soil, it leads to superficial, experience-based convictions. And so when the heat gets turned up in life, and it does, when life gets tough and challenging, when people give you a hard time for following Jesus, for the word being evident in your life, well, the shallow soil hasn't been enough to sustain the seed. And people do give up, don't they? People do drop off. People say, do you know, I tried that. It wasn't really for me. It's important that we remember that there wasn't actually anything wrong with the seed here. The seed contained life. But the issue is that the rocks, the rocks were in the way of the soil becoming deeper and it prevented the seedling from being an expression of the fullness of life that Jesus wants to offer every single one of us. Warren Wearsby says this. He makes this ob observation about the parable. He says, in the parable, the sun represents persecution that comes because of the word. Persecution helps people and believers grow. <clears throat> but the sunshine will kill a plant with no roots. This explains why some believers do not last. Their faith was weak. Their understanding was meager and their decisions were not sincere. Listen to this part. When I read it, it was like an ice cold bucket of water over me. He said, unless there's fruit in the life, there's not saving in the heart. And like, I am sure in a room of this size that there have been or there currently are some of you who are having a hard time because you decided to follow Jesus perhaps from the people around you, perhaps from family or friends. And in my experience and my observation over the years, I think persecution can do one of, of two things. But these two outcomes, which are very different, are entirely dependent and determined by the soil type within a believer's heart, okay? It's important that we remember that if you do find um, opposition or persecution, it's because the word is evident in your life. And that's a good thing, okay? The seed has got in and the word is there. Don't give up. People are seeing the evidence of the kingdom in your life and they don't like it. Don't give up. So I think the first thing that persecution can do is it can suffocate the seed of God's truth in us if the soil is too shallow, okay? If our character isn't strong enough, like it says in the message. Spiritual depth is... 100% essential to get through persecution. When your reputation, thankfully this isn't our narrative, but when your life is on the line for Jesus, superficial, feel-good, experience-based Christianity is never going to cut it. It's never going to see you through that. There needs to be like a raw, gritty ownership of our relationship and our faith that fundamentally believes that no matter what happens, God is good. And that we continue to trust him no matter what's going on around him. 
And shallow faith is never going to get us through those circumstances. And so while persecution can snuff out the growth, the other side of that is that persecution can actually deepen the roots. I learned, it was actually Matt's dad taught me this in A-level RE, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Persecution can deepen the roots. It can strengthen the plants, but only, only if the soil conditions are fertile. Only if there is access to the water of the Spirit. You see, when believers have God's truth rooted in them and they receive the fresh water of the Holy Spirit, persecution actually ends up having the opposite effect. The opposite effect of what it was intended to do. But I'm going to say it again, it is entirely dependent on the soil type. If the soil is shallow, the seed will never make it. But if the soil is rich and deep, and constantly being fed by the Spirit, then the seed is going to thrive. And the sun will actually cause significant growth instead of significant damage. And so while Jesus is talking about the sun representing persecution in this parable, another part actually, as you look into other versions of it, he actually says that the sun can represent pressure and affliction. And the original meaning of this word affliction is like it's a pressing down, it's an oppression, it's tribulation and it's distress. And I think, I think here Jesus is talking about people who, it's a different kind of circumstance, but people who have had an ongoing, difficult, testing circumstances arise in their lives just over a sustained period of time. And they've ended up losing hearts. They've ended up losing any kind of hope that they had. It's been a slow decline. It's been a really subtle kind of dying off. Those who perhaps have experienced how life just continues to beat you up, continues to be really hard. And what's happened, the soil was maybe once rich and deep, but because of these circumstances over time, the soil has ended up becoming shallow. Rocks can begin to form and come to the surface as we lose passion and when we become cynical and when we harden parts of ourselves to God's word and even to the Holy Spirit. And so maybe where the soil in our heart was once beautifully rich and deep and there was a flourishing of the seeds, over time then what sometimes can happen, and I can own it and say that sometimes this happens to me as well, that we give room to rocks of regret. We give room to rocks of apathy, offense, unforgiveness, pride, and resentment. And these attitudes have become rocks that that may have slowly been created in defense of perhaps something that's happened to us in, in, in response to our afflictions. And they've become in our way of processing and our way nearly of surviving. But what's happened is we've allowed them to stay there. We haven't got rid of them. And they've piled up in our hearts. And so we, while we've been trying to protect our hearts in times of affliction, really what it has ended up doing is translating into a hardness in our hearts as well towards God. Because when such attitudes are given space, they significantly alter the spiritual conditions in our hearts. And we find ourselves then just effortlessly with no thought at all resisting the words when, when Jesus sows it. We've been watching Lord of the Rings with our boys. They're so into it. They love it. And, uh, and it just reminded me, you know, Gollum with, with his precious ring, he holds on so tightly to the thing that's destroying him. He holds it so closely. 
And it's just, it's just destroying him completely. It changes who he is. And that's what these rocks can be a little bit like. If we don't ruthlessly eliminate these attitudes, if we don't deal with our own nonsense, if we don't give the Spirit permission to fix the wounds that are in us, slowly but surely the soil, it, it becomes shallow. It becomes shallow. And so this morning, I think we have a choice to make. Is it the seed or is it the rocks? What are the most important things in our hearts at the moment? And to go even further than that, is it Jesus or is it our wounds? Where do we find our identity? But what I love about this parable, and I think the good news this morning is that we can actually change the soil conditions in our hearts. We can get rid of the rocks. As I got to know more of Jesus over the years, I can see particularly actually in this passage in Matthew 13 that he isn't looking for admirers who survive on one spiritual high to the next, kind of a wee bit like a spiritual junkie. That's not what he's after. He's looking for disciples who are going to follow him, who are going to take on his teaching and become like him no matter what it's going to cost them. MacArthur says this, he says, some people commit themselves to Christ in an emotional, superficial way. But that commitment is not real. They remain interested only until there's a sacrificial price to pay and then they abandon Christ. I can tell you because it has been my own story <laughs> that following Jesus is going to cost you. It's meant to cost you. That's what he teaches. But I think the area of cost that I think that, that Jesus is calling us to individually, but even corporately as a whole body, is, is the comfort of our own hearts. Because following him means that we have to closely monitor what's going on in there. And we don't always like that. <laughs> I don't like it. I hate it. Because it means I have to face my own shadows. I have to face my own nonsense that sometimes I try to stuff down. But over time, I've learned that, do you know what? Nobody else is responsible for my heart except for me. It's not all anybody else. I've got to deal with that myself. And so while hurtful things may happen to us, our response is to always guard our hearts carefully. And this seed was only impacted by the conditions of the soil when the soil wasn't deep and tended to. And I think like our title suggests this morning, Jesus is calling us all beyond shallowness. He's calling us beyond the Christian cliches that sell the mugs and sell the t-shirts and sell the cards of the faith mission. He's calling us beyond that. He's calling us into, not that there's anything wrong with those things, buy the cards, by the way. <laughs> We're not boycotting the faith mission, okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, oh, that's what fallen out of favor now. Oh dear. See what I mean? That was off. That was off my notes. That's why I don't trust myself. But <laughs> Jesus is calling us. Let's pull it back in. He is calling us beyond the Christian cliche. He is calling us into a robust, a robust relationship with him that's going to make it. And if we really believe what God's word says and our soil is deep and we allow God's seed to take root, then we're going to get to that point where it makes us uncomfortable and the seed begins to challenge the rocks. Now, you might be thinking, like, how, how on this earth can a seed displace a rock? Well, if I want you to take a look at these photographs. 
right? There's power in the seeds. There's power. There's power to break the rocks that are in our hearts if God's word has taken root in us and God's truth is on display in our lives. What grows from us works to break the rocks. Now, some rocks you can ping out really quickly, okay? Some rocks you can remove really quickly, but some over time gradually weaken. But it is the depth of the roots of our convictions about God's word and our relationship to tend the soil and to water the seed that that sustains us through the difficulty. I'm a wee bit of, a, I had a bit of a thing about trees. <laughs> we laugh about this, but I, I just think if trees could tell you a story, imagine what they could tell you. So when I saw these photographs, I was very excited by myself at home when I was making my PowerPoint. But with this parable, I think how we understand the father has a big impact about how we understand the parable. Because you see, I think in his grace and in his goodness, Jesus has given us a soil guide in this parable to kind of use like a mirror to compare our own hearts to, to take stock of ourselves. I want to be very clear that I don't think Jesus is saying you have to specify yourself as one soil type or another. But I think in the journey of our relationship and in the journey of becoming more like Jesus, there are parts of our hearts that perhaps identify with those things. But I think in doing that, he's telling us that we don't have to stay that way. If you identify with a rocky soil, you don't have to stay that way. And I think it's actually really practical and really helpful because Jesus is saying to us, you know, it's not too late. We can ask God, we can ask the Spirit to remove the rocks, which will change the soil. When the rocks are removed, the soil changes. When we are fully yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the rocks and the thorns as we get on into in the next couple of weeks are removed. <clears throat> and when our soil is ready to receive the word that is his heart to sow. And when we tend to the soil and when we persevere, then Jesus promises that a good crop is going to come from our soil. We will produce the fruit of the spirit. But I actually think it's more than that. I think what Jesus is longing to sow into our hearts, if our soil conditions are right, kingdom initiatives that's going to transform our city and they'll grow out of seed that he wants to place in us because when we read about the good soil further on in the passage we see that it was those people who had a noble and a good heart that's how Jesus describes it who hear the word who retain it and who are able to persevere and by persevering they then produce a crop they bear spiritual fruit because the reality is the sun that shines on the rocky soil and zaps the first seeds is the same sun that shines on the good soil and promotes the growth. The sun doesn't change. The soil is the factor. And the difference is that the good soil, it's maintained with perseverance. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He, he says, those who have a ready heart to receive the seed, they get free-flowing insight and understanding. Isn't that a relief? It's not like we have to toil and toil and toil and toil and this is all about our works. It's, it's just as we organically maintain our relationship with Jesus. He's trying to nudge us towards a welcome awakening is how he puts it. And I think what he's getting at here is, guys, we need to get the roots deep. We need to find the nourishment of the water of the Spirit. 
But you know, even practically, roots also provide stability for things. Jeremiah 17, I know we looked at this a little bit at the beginning, but I think it speaks to this passage this morning. It speaks of a tree that has long been established in good soil, whose roots defended against hard time times. It says um, in verses 7 and 8, blessed, this is in the Amplified, with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence expectation is in the Lord. He will be nourished. He will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and it will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought nor stop bearing fruit. This tree in Jeremiah it wasn't intimidated by the heat. The tree in Jeremiah was secure in where it had been planted. The tree in Jeremiah minded its own business and just got on with growing. It patiently endured. It has persevered, continually being nourished by streams of living water. And trees don't go quickly. We have fruit trees in our garden, and I am the most impatient gardener ever. I want to see them grow. Now, they are growing, but they're growing a lot more slowly than I want them to. But I know if I were to take a spade to them and dig them up, the roots would blow my mind at this point. It's important that we take time to grow deep before we worry about growing taller. One happens as a result of the other, but not before the other. And that's what I think perseverance is in the face of persecution and affliction. It's growing despite our circumstances. But the soil is the key. And we have to make sure this morning that we don't let the rocks take up the space in our hearts that are going to prevent the roots from getting down deep. And so I think the challenge this morning is how do I cultivate that way of life for myself? It's not up to anybody else to cultivate that in me. That's my own. That's my own thing to sort out. And there are some factors that we can't guard against. We can't guard against somebody giving you a hard time following Jesus. We can't guard against that. And hard times will come. That's part of living in the broken world. But we do also need to take ownership of our own soil. <clears throat> and life's hard. It can be hard for any number of reasons, but it feels like over the past couple of years, there's been an acceleration of pressure. I don't know. I, I thought we'd come out of lockdown thinking, wasn't it great that we rested? And it feels like we're going at a million miles an hour now instead of a hundred mile an hour. But there's more than that, isn't there? There's just health and kids and financial pressure. All of these things can make life tough. And pressure and affliction have been a reality for so many of you. But this morning, I'd love to invite the worship guys back up again because I'd love us just to take a moment. We're trying to be practical about this this morning. Just let's take a look at our own hearts. We want to make room for that. Just ask ourselves, what rocks ha are, have, have I noticed coming to the surface in, in my own heart? Because over time, I think, Chris, did you maybe make up a word about this before? That's the one. I'll not even try and say it. But what it means is <laughs> that as the tectonic plates shift underneath us, rocks come to the surface. And if you've ever done any kind of digging in your garden, you'll know that that's true. They keep coming to the surface. And so it is in the physical, I think it is in the reality of the spiritual. In our hearts, stuff keeps coming up. 
And if you don't know what it is, probably ask somebody who's close to you and they'll be able to tell you very quickly what it might be. And you might have been someone who's dealt, you felt like, oh, do you know, I sorted that out with Jesus a long time ago. But as things shift, as life changes and as conditions change, more stuff can come up in our hearts at this time. And I believe this morning that God wants to help us all identify our rocks, to identify our attitudes, maybe to even identify some prejudices that we've been noticing within ourselves. To get rid of them and to make more room for the things that he wants to sow in us. Because your heart is the most valuable thing about you. The most valuable thing about you. How much do you value your own heart? And that is on us. Because in Ezekiel 36, God promises this. He says, I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. So this is a, a new song to us this morning. Um, if you know it, you're welcome to join in with it. But if you want to just have the freedom to just sit down where you are, I want you to know that there's space here this morning. This is not a judgy thing. Let's take what Jesus has said. We, we can change the soil conditions, okay? The prayer ministry team is going to be available this morning to pray along with you. If there's stuff that you notice just coming up, it's stopping what God wants to seed in your heart from getting deep. Like, you know, let's not pussyfoot around this. <laughs> let's just get the work done. I'm going to pray. God, we just, um, we, we acknowledge your Father heart in all of this, that you're looking this morning on your children, God, and you're pleased with them, that they are a treasure to you, that they are the apple of your eye, God. But we also want to be honest and not play church today, and we want to we want to acknowledge the stuff that we see that is not of you coming up in, in, in each one of our hearts this morning, God. And so we call those things that aren't of you to the surface. And as we wait in your presence, Father, as we lift our hearts to you, even in worship now, God, would your spirit do the work? Would your spirit do the work? And would you give us courage to ask for help? Because sometimes we can get rocks out by ourselves, but sometimes we need a wee bit of help with that too. So Spirit, come and do what you do best. In Jesus' name, amen.
Just as uh, we were worshiping there, and I've been thinking about this picture for a number of weeks, but I feel like sometimes in the world, we look at other people's gardens, and they've actually cultivated rocks, and they've used those rocks, and they've built something, they've built monuments to themselves or to other things in the garden of their lives, and, and we as Christians can look at that and, and be distracted by it, we can become jealous of it, and we can find ourselves too taking the things that actually are, are end up being a hindrance to us and building something out of them. And so you might have found yourself realizing that there's not much soil in your life because you've built other things. You've become focused too much on some things that aren't necessarily bad, but you've maybe built a monument to your career or, or to a way of life um, or to success or, or just to other things that aren't God and aren't godly. And you've taken rocks and, and almost built in your life things that, that actually mean that there's no room for soil. 
there's no room for the good seed. And so if, if that's you, I think, you know, God would maybe just highlight that to you now. You'll maybe know as the Spirit is, is working in your life and in your heart, you know, there, there are things in my life that are actually just restricted uh, and taken the place of, of good soil. And I've actually, I've intentionally built that and I've realized now it's been a, a distraction, something that needs to be torn down. So if that's you, maybe you want to come up for a prayer um, afterwards. And just to say that um, as I was preparing for this morning, um, <clears throat> I think it was about two weeks ago, I was sitting in our living room and I just, honestly, I just fell apart. <laughs> I just I just started weeping because I think God gave me a wee bit of a glimpse of his heart where he sees his children and he longs for them to have freedom. And since that day, I've just had a real, like, it's actually felt like there's been a rock. I felt so uncomfortable. It's like there's been a rock in my heart. And I feel like there could be some people here this morning and you're like, do you know what? I'm sitting with something and I know that it is not of Jesus. And I have tried everything that I can to adapt my attitudes about it. But this morning, I just need the Spirit to get on with this for me. And honestly, God's heart for you, because I felt it so strongly that morning, is He wants to see you flourish. He wants to see you in freedom. He wants to see you become who you're meant to be, but this rock is holding you back. And I would really encourage you this morning, if that means anything to you at all, would you please come forward and let us pray for you. So I'm aware of the time this morning. Thank you so much to the worship guys, but would you get your kids as well? Thanks so much, everybody. Mom. 